The scripture we read together tonight is Revelation chapter 5. Revelation 5 is really a continuation of the description that begins in Revelation 4, where John tells us of a vision he's having of the throne room in heaven and describes that throne and the scene that he saw in the vision. And then in verse 5, we see what happens there and the action that takes place within the throne room that really opens up everything else that unfolds in the book of Revelation. But we read this chapter now, Revelation 5, this is the word of God. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts, and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God is forever. The text of the sermon tonight is verses 11 and 12 of that chapter. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, 
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, John was given the great privilege of seeing right into heaven itself. The first thing that he saw there was a throne, and one sitting on that throne. The one sitting on that throne, he says in the previous chapter, was one who looked like a shining jewel. And in his right hand there was a book or a scroll that had writing on it on both sides, but it was sealed with seven seals. Set on each corner of the throne were four beasts. One beast looked like a lion, one beast looked like a calf, one beast had the face of a man, and one beast had the wings of an eagle. The throne itself was sitting in the center of a great circle or sea of glass that was clear like crystal, reflecting the light that was emanating from him who sat on the throne. And then all around the rim of that crystal circle were 24 chairs. And on each of those 24 chairs sat 24 elders. And each of those 24 elders wore a golden crown and white garments. Beyond the perimeter of the 24 elders, extending as far as the eye could see in every direction, was a crowd of angels. You can imagine how bright this vision of heaven appeared to John. The Bible describes angels as having faces like lightning, garments dazzling white, holding flaming swords, in their belts. When God sends angels to the earth to minister to the saints, usually they go about invisibly and without our detection. There may be angels in this very room with us tonight. But here in heaven, they were standing in all of their brightness, in all of their glory. But what were all these angels doing in heaven? It seems as though every last angel that exists was gathered together in that throne room. If ordinarily these angels were sent here and there in the earth, up and down that ladder that Jacob saw in his vision, carrying out the tasks that God gives them, the halls were now silent except for the throne room where 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels were all assembled. They had been summoned together for some great event that was about to unfold. John, in his vision, could sense the tension 
the feeling of anticipation there in heaven. It all had to do with that scroll that was in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, that scroll that was written on both sides and was sealed with seven seals that no one in heaven dared to take from his hand or even to look thereon. John started to cry, for there was nothing more important or more desirable than that that scroll should be taken and the seals broken and its contents disclosed. Was there no one worthy to take the book? But though John was weeping, the citizens of heaven were not. And one of the elders, perhaps, places his hand on John's shoulder to comfort him. John, do not cry. There is one. There is one worthy to open the scroll and to reveal its contents. That's why we have all gathered here in heaven. We have gathered here in heaven to watch him ascending up to his rightful place to take that scroll out of the hand of God and to disclose its contents. And then John saw him. There was a person who entered heaven who looked like a lamb, a lamb who had been slain. And he came and he took the book from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And immediately, the effect was an eruption of joy and praise from the heavenly crowd. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and wisdom and riches and glory and honor and blessing. Such was the song that came out of the voice of many angels. And that's what I call your attention to this evening. The voice of many angels. First, we will see that this was a beautiful voice. Beautiful not because of the sound of it as such, but beautiful because of what they were saying. Secondly, we will notice that this was a loud voice. And then finally, that this voice was heard, heard in heaven and heard on the earth and responded to. The voice of many angels, a beautiful voice, a loud voice, and a heard voice. The beautiful voice of the many angels was singing a beautiful song, and this song had everything to do with that lamb. Who is the lamb? Well, the lamb that John saw was not an ordinary lamb. According to verse 6, this lamb had on his head seven horns. When you think of a horn, don't think of the kind of horn that somebody might play as a musical instrument, but think of the kind of horn that might grow off the head of a goat or a ram. A horn in the Bible is a symbol of strength and power and authority. 
First Samuel 2, verse 10, we read of the Lord giving strength unto his king and exalting the horn of his anointed, symbolic of his power and royal authority. When a ram has a horn on his head, he uses that horn, usually two of them, to dominate and push around any who would challenge his power and authority. This lamb has seven horns on his head, multiple horns, indicating his absolute dominance over any challengers. He also has seven eyes. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. The eyes in the Bible stand for knowledge, perception, wisdom. In 1 John 2, verse 11, we read these words, He that hateth his brother is in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. With blind eyes, he does not have a right understanding or perception of his brother. The eyes stand for wisdom, knowledge, perception. And with his many eyes, seven eyes, the Lamb is able to see all things. His seven eyes are the seven spirits of God which are sent into all of the earth. Nothing escapes the notice or the attention of the Lamb. We should also note that the number seven itself is a symbolic number. You know the word Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day. It is the seventh day. And that word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word for seven, because God rested on the seventh day. And therefore, that number seven stands for spiritual rest, and particularly the spiritual rest that is involved in the covenant of God, fellowship between God and his people. Now, the number seven should be associated with this lamb, seven horns on his head and seven eyes on his face, means that the lamb is the head of God's covenant. He is the Christ who has given all power and all authority in heaven and in earth to defend and promote the kingdom and covenant of God. And thus he is also described in verse 5 as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, who hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. That's a reference back in the Old Testament to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 49, the patriarch Jacob is on his deathbed and he begins to prophesy concerning all of his sons. And one of his sons that he prophesies concerning is Judah. And this is what he says about Judah. In Genesis 49, verse 9, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rise him up? Then the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. As the most majestic and powerful of the animals, the lion is the symbol of the king. The lion is fearsome, the lion is courageous. The lion does not back down from a fight, and few dare confront him. And so Jacob says of Judah, from from whom shall come David, and eventually the Christ, that he is a lion, but now the lion of Judah's tribe is come. Weep not, John. Behold, the lion of Judah's tribe 
hath prevailed to open the book. But notice, when you read through Revelation 5, the way it's presented, John is weeping. Who is worthy to open the book? Is there anybody worthy? And the man says, the elder says, don't be afraid, John. Don't cry. Somebody is worthy. The lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. So John turns and he looks. And what does he see? He sees a lamb. He sees a lamb. And what is a lamb? A lamb is gentle. A lamb is the picture of innocence in the Bible with a soft, white fleece. Isaiah 40, verse 11, captures the essence of a lamb when it describes Jehovah, the shepherd, gathering the lambs with his arm and carrying them in his bosom and gently leading those who are with young. A lamb is not very lion-like, nor does a lamb usually have horns growing on his head. So imagine John's surprise when expecting to see a lion, he turns around and he sees a lamb. And not only does he see a lamb, which is the picture of gentleness and innocence in the Bible, but he sees a lamb as it had been slain. There were marks of death clearly visible on this lamb. Probably the marks of death were an open slash across his throat, which had been slit, which is what was done to all of the sacrificial lambs in the Old Testament when the offerings were made on the altar. It would appear that the vulnerability and the gentleness and the innocence of this lamb were his downfall. This lamb has been slain. Nevertheless, here he stands. And he stands very much alive. Slain. Yet alive. At the same time, both lion and lamb. And what makes him unique among all the other inhabitants of heaven is that he dares not only to look at the scroll, but even to approach the one who is sitting on the throne, clutching that scroll in his right hand. And he dares to take that scroll and to begin to break the seals and to open it and to disclose its contents. Who is the Lamb? Well, the Lamb is clearly a symbol of Jesus Christ. And He is a symbol of Jesus Christ as He exists right now this day before the throne of God in heaven. Jesus is that Lamb. Jesus, as the Lamb, was slain as the substitute for His people. 
The blood of all of the lambs that was shed in the Old Testament on the altar was always a type and foreshadowing of the sacrifice that would be made by the Messiah in a coming day. Well, Jesus is that Messiah, the Messiah that was prophesied of in Isaiah 53, verse 7. He is led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. Like a lamb, Jesus was personally innocent of any sin, guilt, or moral stain. Like a lamb, Jesus was taken out of the flock as one of them so that He could represent all of them. And He died as a lamb. And His death was not merely to set an example of sacrificial love, but His death was to satisfy God's justice against the sins of His people and to accomplish their redemption. And Jesus is still the Lamb. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. As the Lamb, Jesus understands our needs and He sympathizes with us in our burdens and our temptations. Beloved, when we enter into His presence one day in our soul and then later in our resurrected body, we will find that He is eminently approachable. We will find that His company is most natural and it is the most lovely experience that we will ever have the pleasure to enjoy, to sit at the feet of the Lamb. But he's also the lion. Though he was slain, he rose from the dead. Death tried to hold him down, tried to swallow him, but death was defeated and swallowed up itself in the attempt. Jesus emerged from the grave alive with a new and incorruptible body He came out of the grave as our head and representative, proving that our our redemption was indeed accomplished and that we are justified through His blood. He is the lion who goes to war against the last enemy and against all the enemies of His people. And He is still that lion. If you've read the famous book by C.S. Lewis, You know that in that book, the Christ figure, Aslan, is a lion. One of the best lines in that book is when one of the protagonist children asks about that lion. She's nervous about meeting a lion, and she says, Is he quite safe? I should be afraid of meeting a lion. And the answer is, of course, he isn't safe. Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion. But he's good. He's the king. A safe lion would be a lion in a cage. A safe lion would be a lion on a leash that you have under your personal control. That's not Jesus. 
The lion of Judah's tribe is not under your control. He's not under my control. He's not under the control of any man or angel. He is absolutely free, absolutely sovereign to do whatever he wants. And what he wants to do is to give life and peace to his people for whom he shed his blood. And the angels now sing this beautiful song in the presence of this person. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and honor and glory and blessing and wisdom. Worthy. When you hear that word worthy, Think of an old-fashioned scale. An old-fashioned scale that has two sides that need to be balanced out on a fulcrum. In the old days, if you'd go to the market and you wanted to know how much you need to pay for the produce that you're going to buy, you would put that produce on one end of the scale and that would make it go like this. And then there would be a weight, the value of which was already known, that would be placed on the other side, and that's how you would determine the worth, the value of that produce, and therefore how much you need to pay. That Greek word in our text, translated worthy, has that idea of the scale in it. So that's what the angels are doing here in their song. What they're doing is loading one side of that scale with all of these virtues All of these virtues that must be given to the Lamb. Power and strength. Not the limited power and strength that we use as human beings to carry out our daily tasks, but the power of God. The power of the One who sits on the throne. The power and the strength that brought the heavens and the earth into being. The power and the strength that continues to sustain the heavens and the earth through the providence of God. Power and riches. Don't think of silver and gold and precious stones. The riches that the angels have in mind are the treasures in heaven that moth cannot rust and that thieves cannot break through to steal. The riches that the angels have in mind are the unsearchable riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. The riches that the angels have in mind are the riches of the hearts and souls of the saints who are precious in the sight of God, whom He has redeemed through His death. Power and strength and riches and wisdom Not just wisdom that is human, but divine wisdom. The kind of wisdom by which the foundations of the earth were laid and the harmony of the whole creation was designed in all of its beauty. Power, strength, riches, wisdom, honor, glory, blessing. Honor is deep reverence and respect. Deep, heartfelt Reverence that acknowledges one as superior to myself. Glory is radiance, impressiveness, significance, weightiness. Blessing is when you speak a good word, a word of praise 
power, strength, wisdom, riches, honor, glory, blessing. Who is worthy? Who can balance out the scale? You take any individual in this earth, any individual in heaven above, in that heavenly host, or sitting on those 24 thrones, and you set them on the other side of the scale, and it will not balance out. It will not even begin to balance out. It will not so much as move. Try sticking a 100-pound weight on one side of a scale and a feather on the other side. And that's what would happen if you put me or you, any other man, or even all men together, and stick them on the other side of that scale. We're not worthy. You are not worthy. I am not worthy. No king, no president, no celebrity, no angel is worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb because this individual is the lion and the lamb. This individual can receive all glory, all power, and he will not be corrupted by it. He will not be overcome by it. He will not be destroyed by it. He will use it honorably. He will use it profitably as the Christ. He deserves to be worshipped. And that's what the angels are doing. They're worshipping Him. The point here is not to give power, riches, and wisdom, and strength to the Lamb. You cannot give to somebody what He already has. No, the intention of the angels is simply to recognize who this person is. He's God. He's God in the flesh. And He is God now, victorious over death and hell and sin. And then to exclaim and proclaim this truth. That's why they have been assembled in the heavens. And we get to add our voices to their song, beloved. That's why we are here tonight. That's why we gather on the Lord's day and assemble ourselves so that we can say, along with the angels, worthy is a lamb. In light of that beautiful song that they had to sing, they sang it loudly. Verse 11, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, And in the Greek, that word loud is mega. Saying with a mega voice, a loud voice, a great voice, worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. It was loud, clearly, because it was the voice of many angels. And many is really an understatement. 
10,000 times 10,000. That equals out to be 100 million. 100 million angels and then thousands of thousands. And the point is clearly not to do the math and figure out the precise number of angels, but the point is there's so many angels in heaven, you cannot really even number them. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. All heaven was gathered together. And again, this is Revelation, and so we're dealing with symbolic numbers here. And another symbolic number in the Bible is the number 10. 10 along with its multiples, 100, 1,000, 10,000, is a number of completion. So 10,000 is not just a big number, but it is the number which speaks to the absolute, total, complete number of all of the angels. They're all there. If normally... Angels would be going around on earth, carrying out the tasks that God had given them, ministering to the saints. It was very quiet on earth this day. The angels were given a holiday from their ordinary tasks so that they could assemble in the throne room. There was a special occasion that was going on. So they were all there. And then they sang with one voice. If you've ever been, ever been in a stadium, maybe you've been in a football stadium for a football game, then you know what it's like to have thousands and thousands of people all gathered in a confined space. And when the crowd in the football stadium gets energized, Everybody starts chanting in unison. And it can get loud. It can get very, very loud. But even then, there's never a moment when every voice in the stadium is all shouting the exact same words with the exact same pitch and the exact, exact same intonation. There's always fans of the opposing team who are shouting something in answer to what the main crowd is saying. And there's people trying to talk over the noise and there's, there's buzzing in the background and there's, there's announcers speaking. But if you were in heaven witnessing what John was witnessing, 100 million angels and more were singing these words in perfect unison. you try to imagine that, it ought to give you chills. There was one moment that you could have heard a pin drop in heaven as all heaven collectively held its breath waiting for the one to come who was going to take that scroll out of the hand of him who was sitting on the throne. And then the instant that that scroll was taken in his hand, the entire host erupted with a noise that would have split the earth if it wasn't taking place in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches 
and honor and glory and blessing and wisdom. It was the voice of many angels together in unison. And these many angels singing in unison were singing with fervency and devotion. Someone who is fervent sings differently from someone who is indifferent. A fervent singer is a singer who sings with enthusiasm and therefore with volume. An indifferent singer is a singer who sings with little emotion, perhaps even with a touch of embarrassment, and therefore sings quietly. We love to hear little children singing, even if those little children are singing off-key, or even just shouting the words, because we know that they believe what they are saying. They're fervent. On the other hand, it can be off-putting to listen to a performer who sings the beautiful words of Handel's Messiah, with technical, technical excellence, but with indifference. The angels sang not with indifference, they sang with fervency. Why ought the angels sing with fervency? We do not think of the angels as creatures who really partake in the gifts of redemption. The angels are not creatures who need to be justified. The angels are not creatures who need to be restored to life. The angels are not creatures who have fallen into sin. So why should they be so moved and why should they be so excited by the coming into heaven of the sacrificial lamb who was slain? But let's not assume that the cross of Christ is meaningless to the angels. It was true that the angels never fell into sin. It's not true that they do not partake of the blessings of redemption. The Apostle says in Romans 8, verse 21, that the creature, that is the whole creation, also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. The angels, as part of creation, know something of the bondage of corruption, not because they fell personally into sin, but because of our fall into sin with all creation. They groan and travail, waiting for the day of final redemption, waiting for the day when all things shall be made new. And they know, the angels know, that it is the Lamb who was slain who will make all things new by the power of God which is given to Him as the risen Lord. So they sing with fervency. They sing with devotion to the Redeemer Lord. This is why the occasion of the angel's song is so significant. Why have all of these angels stopped whatever they were doing in the earth and assembled into the throne room? Well, they were assembled there to witness the Lamb taking that scroll from the hand of God. They were assembled to witness it as the Lamb began to break those seals and to unfold the contents which were written therein, which is the sovereign counsel of God to carry out the redemption of His people in the final making new of all things that will end only when Jesus Christ returns again in glory. What the angels have assembled into heaven to witness, in effect, is the coronation ceremony 
of now the risen and exalted Jesus Christ, who has just been taken up to the right hand of power on high. All power has been given to Him in heaven and in earth to execute the will of God. He alone is worthy to carry out that will. And thus the angels cry out with fervency, with anticipation, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, if even the angels sing with such fervency, though they have never sinned, If the angels are so thrilled at the coming redemption, though they are not the ones who are responsible for the curse in the earth, how much more fervent, how much louder oughtn't our voices to be since the Lamb was slain to pay for our sins and to cover our guilt? and to redeem us from the curse that we brought into the earth. Beloved, sing. Sing with a loud voice. Sing with the angels. Sing with the glorified saints. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and honor and glory. You, you more than anybody else, you more even than the angels, know that He is worthy of this praise. While singing with such a loud voice, the angels could not help but to be heard by many. They were heard by all the inhabitants of heaven, The 24 elders heard the voice of the many angels. The four beasts on the four corners of the throne heard the voice of the many angels. The lamb who now had the scroll in his hand heard the voice of the many angels. The one who was sitting on the throne heard the voice of the many angels. How could they not hear it? They were surrounded on all sides by a hundred million and more angels. Any other noise in heaven was drowned out. And let's not forget who else heard the voice of the angels who are not mentioned directly in the text, but nevertheless were there. The souls of the glorified saints. All those who died before the ascension of Christ but died in faith and had their souls taken up into heaven. They heard the song of the angels. Beloved, if you know anybody who sleeps in Jesus, who is today in glory in their souls, they hear the song of the angels. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine being there and hearing 10,000 by 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels praising the Lamb that was slain in perfection? They hear it. 
the souls of those whom we knew who have died in Christ, they hear that song today. But the voice wasn't only heard in heaven. According to the vision, it was heard in the earth as well. Verse 13 goes on to say, Let every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard, I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. All the creatures below heard the song of the angels and then they echoed back their own song. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Do you know why it is on a beautiful spring day that the birds are chirping so happily outside? Do you know why it is that in the ocean there are so many fish with such beautiful scales and colors? Do you know why there are so many majestic beasts and animals on the face of the earth? It's not only to attract a mate, it's not only to survive in a vicious world as we are told today, That chirping and that beauty is a song of praise. It's a song of rejoicing. And it's a song of rejoicing as an echo of the song that comes down from heaven out of the voice of many angels. All creation, all creation sings praise to the Lamb as they wait for the day in which He will come again and renew all things. And let's not forget that we also hear that voice, beloved. John heard that voice. He heard that voice in a vision. But he was allowed to hear that voice for a reason. And the reason was so he could write it down. What he heard, he wrote down. And what he wrote down has been preserved so that we can read. And by faith, we can hear the same song and believe And in just a moment, we will have the opportunity to echo back with our own voices and with our own hearts the song of the angels. We're going to sing. And after we sing, and we walk out of those doors, and we go back to our daily lives on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we have the opportunity to sing in our hearts and make melody to the Lord with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And there will be a day, beloved, when we will have the opportunity in heaven itself to hear that song and to echo it back with our own praise. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and honor and blessing. Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank thee for 
opening up for us the vision of the throne room in heaven so that through the eyes of faith and the ears of faith we may hear the song of the angels and we may make it our own song as we echo it back out of our own hearts and with our own voices we pray O oh father that we may see and know and acknowledge the worthiness of Jesus Christ, the Lamb who is also the Lion, who was slain for our transgressions, but who lives again. And that our whole life may be a life that is a sacrifice of praise unto Him. Forgive us, O Father, when we have not acknowledged His worth, and when we have seen other things as more important or more worthy of our praise than Him. Forgive us. Forgive us of our folly and our unbelief. And correct us. Give us a spirit of repentance and give us a spirit of faith that seeing His glory, we may praise Him. Send us away from Thy house now with Thy blessing. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.